Well, happy Easter. Hey, uh, my name is Mike. This is your first time here. I'm the lead pastor at MCC. And again, if this is your first time, thank you for sharing, uh, actually for everybody, thank you for sharing Easter uh, Sunday with us. Uh, and if you haven't been around MCC recently, just really glad that, that you've come back uh, uh, to join us again. And if you are watching online this morning, uh, we appreciate you being there as well, and we hope that what we're doing here is encouraging to your faith. Uh, we do know that... Uh, uh, we have folks here in the area who will check us out online before they ever visit us. And so if that's you, we hope you'll join us soon. We also know we have folks around the world who join us uh, online as well. And I mentioned that specifically this morning because this information was just given to me right before I came up here uh, in Sri Lanka this morning. I don't know if you've seen this yet, uh, if you've picked this up. Uh, over 200 people are dead in some bombings that occurred uh, because it is Easter, because of our faith, because they trust in Jesus, somebody meant to do them harm. And part of what we remember when we come together like this is that our faith is worth living for and it's worth dying for. It is who we are called to be. And so we're, we're going to take a moment. We're going to pray for those uh, on the other side of the world. God, we we. What we're just finding out is no surprise to you. Also no surprise to you. And Jesus, we know it's no surprise to you because uh, people persecuted you. They've always persecuted your followers. And so we know, even here in America, that there may come a time when we are called to lay down our life for the sake of yours. And God, we pray for those on the other side of the world who, whose lives have been taken from them as they celebrated uh, Jesus, your resurrection from the dead. And we pray that we'll be mindful of that. We pray for the families of those, uh, who, who they, they, the families who have lost uh, loved ones, friends, family members. We pray for those church leaders, uh, those who lost their lives. We pray for their families. We pray for those who are still here with us and who will now help with the healing so, God, we lift them up to you. We remember on this day that your son gives us life. We remember that the promise of a life beyond this one as well, they now get to realize that. And so, God, we are grateful that they spend this Easter in your presence, and it breaks our heart how that occurred. Please bring healing to their land. And we pray this through your son, Jesus. Amen. Um, so I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy or not. His name is Nick Vujic. Uh, Vujic. Vujic. And he was born. I'll take a look at him. Take a good look at him. He was born without arms or legs. But he's one of those guys who refuses to be defined by his handicaps. Rather, he has chosen to defy them. So this is uh, one of his first books that came out, uh, came out 2010. It's called Unstoppable. Do you see what he's doing there? Yeah, that's when you need to pay attention to what's at the bottom. He is surfing. And I just wonder how you do that without arms and legs. I can't figure out how to do it with arms and legs, but I wonder how you do it without arms and legs, right? And uh, I just think that's crazy. But what is even more cool to me about Nick is that he keeps a pair of shoes in his closet. It just Yeah, let, let that sink in for a moment. Why would someone without legs 
need shoes. In his words, he said, I keep a pair of shoes in my closet because I believe in miracles. So that's what I want to ask you this morning is do you believe in miracles still today? So we've been looking at the miracles that Jesus, uh, that John records in the gospel that Jesus did. There are seven that lead up to the resurrection. And we, and we didn't look at them merely to learn about what Jesus did then. We've been looking at them to be reminded of what he's capable of doing in our lives and through our lives today. As a matter of fact, there's a verse that we've looked at, a couple of verses that we've looked at from the end of John where he writes, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. So in other words, he didn't just do seven. There's more. We can actually read about some of the others in the other Gospels. But John makes this disclaimer. He says, these are written, these miracles. He's talking about these miracles so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name which is what Easter is all about. Today marks a celebration. And we have to determine, I'm sorry, my mind is going back to those folks in Sri Lanka. Today is this huge day for them. And it's, this is what Easter is all about. It's about having life in his name. So everyone should check this out. 80% of American adults believe that God performs miracles today. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands or anything like that. I'm just wondering where in that number do you fit in that number uh, somewhere on the 80% side or on the 20% side. And this may catch you a little bit off guard, but a survey has found that three out of four American doctors, three out of four believe in miracles. As a matter of fact, 55% have seen treatment results in their patients that they would consider Beyond what they've done, miraculous results in their patients. So today, we've, we're talking about miracles today because today we come to the miracle of the Bible. This is the, this is the big one. This is the main event. Uh, this is the center of Scripture. You know, everything before it comes toward it, everything that happens after happens because of it. It is the main event, and I think this is important. 65% of us believe in the resurrection of Jesus, and I wonder if that's you. Uh, and the thing is, it's not that it, not just that it happened, but today our celebration is reminded that Easter is a big deal because of not just what it meant then, but what it means for us today as well. So we're going to take a look at this in John chapter 20, uh, beginning in verse 1. If you have your Bibles with you, you may want to turn to that. Uh, also on the YouVersion app on your phone, uh, you'll find us there with not only our scripture, but our notes for today. Uh, and if you are following along in your Bible, you may want to use the notes on the handout that has fill in the blank, very important. They will be checking your blanks as you go out the door. If you don't have them filled in, you're staying for the next hour. So, uh, John chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over. He looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he didn't go in. And then Simon Peter caught up uh, and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, and as, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, and it was separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. 
They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Listen, let's go back to that first verse one more time. While it was still dark, we're just going to sort of set the stage, so it's still dark. Mark says in his gospel when he records this that the sun had, uh, the sun had risen just after the sun had risen. Matthew says it was at deep dawn. I have friends today who would say it was O dark 30, right? Uh, it implies that others are still in bed. So at O dark 30 on the first day of the week, Sunday, today, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. And by reading the other Gospels, uh, we know that she wasn't the only uh, woman there. As a matter of fact, uh, Mary Magdalene went with Mary, the mother of James, as well as Salome. And we know that these women watched Jesus die for six hours on the cross. And we know that they watched as Jesus' body was taken down from the cross and wrapped in clean linen and placed in a new tomb. So very early on the first day of the week, the ladies go to anoint Jesus' body for burial. And Mark tells us that while they're on their way, I just want you to get a full picture of this. They're talking about this stone. Who's going to roll the stone away? Because there's a stone rolled in front of the the tomb. Who's going to roll that stone away? Because they've determined that the stone would have weighed about a million and a half to two, uh, two, one and a half to two tons. Wow, I don't know where a million came from. One and a half to two tons. Um, One and a half to two million tons. Biggest rock you've ever seen in your life. Good night. What's interesting is when, when they get there, the stone's already gone. So Mary runs to tell Jesus' followers. And this leads, by the way, to the very first reason that Easter gives us hope today. Not, not, not just an event in the past, but the hope it brings today is Jesus' closest followers. Even they struggled with believing at times. And I say that because in verse 2, it says that Mary informs Peter and John of what she found. Actually, in verse 2, it says Peter and the one Jesus loved. So John, the author of this gospel, is just way too humble to write his own name. So he refers to himself as the one Jesus loved. Uh, In verse 4, again, he won't write his own name, but he refers to himself as the one who outran Peter. I mean, honestly, it feels like, you know, mom loved me best. Uh, John outruns Peter to the tomb. They both beat Mary, and by the time she gets there, they're turning around and they're heading back at this point. And they have, what they have found seemed to have confused them, at least a little bit, because they found the grave clothes that Jesus had been wrapped in all intact. The words mean still in their folds. So if someone had come to steal the body, certainly if they were going to remove the, the burial clothes, they would have just ripped them off the body. Uh, Or they would have just left them on the body. No one's going to take the time to unwrap the body and then wrap the folds back up. Because the the words mean that they were lying there like an empty caterpillar's cocoon, only human size. And if your Bible is open, you can see in the verses that follow ours this morning that Jesus appears to Mary. And in verse 18, it says, Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them... What he, that he had said these things to her. Now, again, when you look at the other Gospels in Luke chapter 24, it says something that I hope you find encouraging because I know that I do. It says that when they came back from the tomb, the, the ladies, they told all these things to the 11 and to the others, so the 11 who had been following Jesus and then others who had been following as well, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Literally, the words mean silly talk. 
I don't know if that ever describes you or not. Even if you're in church every week, even if you, even if you read your Bible, even if you sing the songs and know the songs and you know when to bow your head to pray and you know, I mean, you know whatever else, what other disclaimer you might add to that, is it honest to say, even with all those things being true, that sometimes you struggle with believing? I mean, do you ever wonder, what if this isn't true? What if I'm wasting my time following Jesus? What if when we die, that really is it? I mean, you just close your eyes and it's dark and that's it. There, there is nothing after this. Because that's how it appeared to them on Friday. The one they'd been following, the one they'd put their trust in, the, the one they were calling Messiah, Savior. They banked their lives on him and they watched him die. And their hopes died with him him. Listen, just keep it totally honest. Even when they didn't struggle with believing, at other times they struggled with living like they believed. If you think that after the resurrection, those who followed Jesus, who saw Jesus, always did the right thing for the right reason, you're making an assumption that the Bible does not back up at all. Paul, who is kind of a big deal, kind of a Christian, right? Jesus appeared to him personally, uh, handpicked Paul to be a leader. He started churches. He wrote 13 of the 27 books in the New Testament, so almost half of them. He wrote, when he wrote to the church in Rome, he said this about himself, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, that's what I do. And I have this desire to do what's good, but I can't carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, that's what I keep on doing. So I point that out because I want you to know if you've come here this morning and you're an imperfect follower of Jesus who sometimes has questions you really wonder about, and sometimes they can be scary questions that you're wondering about, and at other times you don't really have questions, but you just know you need a do-over because whatever you just did or thought or said or how you just treated somebody did not reflect the kingdom of God. If that's you this morning... Easter gives you and me hope. So your next step, and I think this is in your notes, is just to be honest about that and to continue to look for answers and to put yourself in the right place to find those answers. By the way, next week we begin a new series that we're calling Chain Breakers, and it's all about the chains that hold us back uh, in life. And we're going to talk about our past and the shame that comes with that for some of us that we just continue to carry through life. And we're going to talk about bitterness and what that can do to us. We're going to talk about fear and what that can do to us. But we're going to lead off next week talking about doubt and what that can do to us. And so next Sunday evening, we've invited Dr. Tom Thatcher to join us, and he's going to talk to us about what the Bible is. Where did that come from? Why do we think we can trust that? Why do we give it authority in our lives? Why do, believe, why do we believe God speaks to us through his word? So if you've ever wondered any of those things, it's uh, next Sunday evening, starts at 6.30. I hope you'll join us here for that. And at the end, he will answer any questions. So if you've got questions you want to ask about that, it is a great time to come and get some of those answered. Listen, I want to I point out one more reason Easter gives us hope. And it goes all the way back. If your Bible is open, it's the very first detail that John gives us about this day. John chapter 20, verse 1. It's her. Is Mary Magdalene. He says that 
On the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. You know, it's interesting. We know other women were there. Why does he point her out? Why does he single her out? He doesn't even mention the other two. And in verse 16, it says she's the first person that Jesus actually appears to after he's resurrected from the dead. Why is that? After all, women in Jesus' day didn't have much status, but it's more than that. Do you know who she is? In Mark 16, verse 9, we find out who she is. She's a lady who had seven demons living in her. And I know that sounds like a safe thing to say sitting here in church. Seven demons resided inside her. You know, yikes. Those kind of demons lived in her. Why, would, why not have somebody without the reputation be men? Why not somebody without the baggage? And here's the reason I think John points this out. It's because Easter gives us hope because someone with a horrendous past was there. Somebody with a horrendous past actually had a position of honor. As a matter of fact, those who despised Jesus the most, I want to make sure you catch what they said about him. They accused him. This was an accusation. We think it's great, but it was an accusation that Jesus was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. When Luke uh, talks about Jesus, he says, I've not come to call the righteous. I've come to call sinners to repentance. And when Luke later on in his gospel tells us also that Jesus said, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, which is a good thing for us, by the way, because when Paul writes again to the church in Rome, he reminds us it wasn't just Mary Magdalene. It's everyone in this room this morning. Everyone in the room this morning are sinners needing God's grace and forgiveness. And Mary reminds us that Jesus released her from seven demons and gave her a new lease on life. It does accurately describe her life. If she's, if she's welcome, I guess, that's the whole point. If she's welcome, everyone else is too. Because it was at the cross that all of us had our sins forgiven. We were ransomed from hell at a very high price. And that word horrendous, it is a, it's a, I almost didn't use it. I was actually talking to someone else about that word. It does accurately describe her, but it's kind of a big word. It's a heavy word. But I wanted to make sure that you saw that word this morning in case someone has come in here today wondering if their sin is too much for Jesus' grace. If you've come in thinking that you're carrying baggage that somehow is too heavy, too much, that Jesus' blood can't that, that somehow you're over the load limit for Easter. As if Jesus is this morning looking at you and going, wow, that's just one too many. You know what I'm saying? Just too much for me. I'm sorry. Everyone else is good. But you, you, you're outside of my grace because I can't handle what you've done. John 3.16 sums up Easter in one verse. All the Old Testament leads up to it, and the New Testament is because of it. John 3.16 says that God loved the world so much that he gave his one, one and only son that, what's this word? Whoever. Who does that include? It includes everyone. Anyone who believes in him will not perish, 
but have eternal life. I love what Annie Graham, uh, Annie Graham Lott said, and it's on your notes. John 3.16 is the North Star of the Bible. If you align your life with it, you can find the way home. We checked again this morning. The uh, world population clock was right still not too far off that number. We were checking it last night. I was surprised. It wasn't off. That number's not too far below uh, uh, even this morning. So if you manage, I, I want to show you that because that's how many people are in the world. And if you lined everybody up, single file, conga line, you know, uh, at the equator, it would stretch 1,483,735 miles. That's how long the line of people would be, which, by the way, is long enough to circle the earth 59 times. Now, I tell you that because of John 3.16 and because you and I are in that number. We're represented there. And Easter offers hope to every one of us. My friend Danny was here last night, and he was asked by the school social worker to help a family with some furniture back in January. And this guy, who was the father in this family, his name is Chris, was so thankful that he asked if he could help Danny help other people. Uh, and as time went out, he uh, reached out asking uh, for for, to help, and so they were able to talk a little bit more, and he said, I would check in on them, and, and Chris said that they needed a dryer move, so he picked up the dryer, and he, Danny said that as they were driving, he said, thanks for being so nice to me and my family. He could see his need to do better, and then Danny said he told me his story. When he was 20 years old, his dad passed away. His dad is, was a retired fire chief and was his hero, so because his dad had passed away, he received some money, and with that money, feeling a little invincible, and for the first time having money, he bought a gun. And as time went on, the police pulled him over. They knew he had the gun. What he didn't know was it was a stolen gun. The guy who had stolen it had gotten arrested by the police and told the police who he had sold the gun to. And it wasn't just a stolen gun. It was a gun stolen from an FBI agent, so he was in big trouble. The judge sentenced him to three years of jail time, but gave him nine months probation. So with the loss of his dad, looking at jail time, he turned to drugs. He was arrested with the drugs. He goes before the very same judge and was told by the judge, today I'm going to save your life. Three years for the gun, plus three years for drugs while on probation, six years in prison. He was sent to CCC for holding to go to prison. He's 20 years old. There's two guys in a small cell, and you only get out three times a day to eat. That's it. And then you're back in the cell. He did hear that you could get out another time if you signed up to go to church, which he didn't really want to go to, but it got him out of the cell. And so he went. He said he sat in the first service. He remembered being taught about God when he was a little kid. And in that service, he heard a guy who was doing a life sentence he said, this guy's going to die in prison, and he talked about how good God was to him and how God had changed his life, and he seemed, he seemed happy. He, Chris said that, that he determined by watching these guys who are going to die in prison who seemed so happy he wanted what they have, so he accepted Jesus while he was in jail. And, and over the next six years, he said he was moved several different times to several different uh, prisons, but he kept going to church. He only missed three services, and I got to sit down and talk to him about that. Two of them were because he was sick, and one of them was because he was in a volleyball tournament. But uh, 
that he'd been out for two or three years and he met a girl. They combined their families. Very difficult to get a job. Is unemployed currently because he's a felon. Hard to get a job because he's a felon. They've been homeless. They've been through hard times. He said they try to go to church when they can, but with the kids and with visitation time with the kids, it's just hard. And so Danny said, I told him, find a church that has a service you can go to. And the next day he sent this picture uh, to Danny. So he's in church and he took a selfie uh, during worship. So, you know what I was thinking? It'd be funny just to stop for a moment and everyone take a selfie and send that out to their friends, but don't do that. Um, But that's him and his wife at the greenhouse here in Miamisburg. And Danny said he thanked me for inspiring him to go to church. And Danny said, when I asked him if I could tell his story, I asked him this too, was going to prison worth it? And he said, yes, I met Jesus and he changed my life. And everything we talked about, Danny said, with everything we talked about that had happened in his life, I was blown away by the fact that he went to prison to come to Jesus. And anyone can do that. Anyone can do that. Mary Magdalene, who had seven demons. Chris, who is in prison. You, wherever you are in your life right now, wherever you have, whatever's going on in your life, you can too. And here's the thing. It's what God has always wanted for you. It's what God's always wanted for all of us. Because back in the beginning, God created us to have a relationship with him. And you can read about that in the book of Genesis. It's the story of creation. We were meant for that. But somewhere along the line, we blew it. And our sin causes this separation, this barrier between us and God. And we know that all the way back in the beginning, if you've ever read Genesis or ever heard the story, you know it was Adam and Eve's sin, right? They ate the fruit. Sin enters the world. But we also know that our problem today isn't that Adam and Eve sinned. Chris knows he didn't go to prison because Adam and Eve sinned. Chris went to prison because he sinned. The problems I have today are because I sin. The problems you have today, the separation you feel from God today is because we still sin and our sin causes us to back away from him. And because we know that somehow it's our fault, we try to fix that. So we try to do good things, right? We, we, we have a Bible. We, we help people. We give money to people who need money. We, we go, you're here in church on Easter Sunday morning for crying out loud. That ought to count for something, right? And we get frustrated because we know there comes a point where we know it's not cutting it. What we're doing isn't enough. We keep coming up short. And the reason we're trying to fix this is because we know this separation, if it goes from this lifetime into forever, the Bible calls that hell. It is eternal separation from God and his presence and his love and his grace. And the good news of our faith is what we celebrate today that Jesus came 2,000 years ago to take on a sin debt that he didn't owe. We owe it. He took it for us and paid that debt for us. And that bridge that he died on, acts as a, the cross acts as a bridge for us to get back to God. And the Bible says there are just three things we need to do if we want to get back to God in this relationship. And the first one is belief. We have to believe, actually, that today is true, that we're not just in church. We're not just, you know, here making an appearance. We actually believe that God loved the world so much that he allowed his son to die on a cross for our sins. And if we believe that, we don't have to 
perish. We get to be with him forever. The Bible says the second thing we need to do is repent. And repent just means own it. It's not, it's not Adam and Eve's fault. It's not the guy who sold you the gun's fault. It's not whoever in your life is involved with whatever you're involved. It's not their fault. It's not your mom and dad. It's not any brothers and sisters or cousins. It's nobody's fault but our own. We own the fact that we sin. It's our decision. And the Bible says if we will just repent and turn to God, that our sins will be not just, you know, let go, but they will be wiped out. They will be obliterated. And the third thing the Bible talks about is being baptized. Matter of fact, if we will repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus, not only do we receive forgiveness of sins, but we also receive the Holy Spirit. And maybe that, by the way, is your next step in your faith journey. So on your notes, here it is, to trust Jesus. And really the question this morning is, do you? Do you trust Jesus with your life? Those who are followers of Jesus in Sri Lanka this morning, who woke up uh, for their Easter morning, which would have been ahead of ours, they woke up to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, not knowing that they would get to see him face to face on the same day. And it's just a, a reminder to us of the importance of trusting him. And we have a young lady who's going to be baptized at the end of our service this morning. And if that's your decision today, I just want to say, I'm, when the service is over, I'm going to be right down here. If you want to talk about that, if you want to set up a time to talk about that, listen, let's do that today. Let's set that up today. Look at what Paul wrote again to the church in Rome. May the God of, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I want you to catch. God offers a hope that is so powerful, it will transform your life here on earth. It's not just about later, it's about right now, but it is also about later. Because not only can he transform your life here on earth, he will also rewrite your eternity. That's the power of the hope. The resurrection of dead bodies is nothing short of miraculous, but the resurrection power of God does not stop there. God raises dreams from the dead. God can resurrect dead relationships. And no matter what part of your personality has died at the hands of sin or suffering or Satan himself, Jesus can give you back your life. It is why we celebrate Easter every Sunday here at MCC with a time of communion. We remember that Jesus' resurrection still changes lives because he's changed ours. We know he's still doing it because he's done it in our own lives. So each week we hold a piece of cracker that reminds us of Jesus' body. We hold a cup of juice that reminds us of Jesus' blood given for our sins. That we might have the hope of forgiveness. That we might have the hope of eternal life. And the hope of a different life here. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to remember. And you are invited to take communion as it is passed. Why don't we go to him? God, thank you for who you are and what you have done in our lives. Because we know if we trust you with our life, because of this Easter story and what we've seen you do already, if we trust you with our life, we know we can trust you with our death. And so, Father, thank you for this moment when we get a tangible reminder 
of what Jesus did for us on the cross. As his body was broken, as his blood was shed, not for something he did, but for what we did and have done and what we will struggle with the rest of our lives. But his blood covers our sins. And God, we are grateful for that. Thank you. Thank you for the hope of forgiveness and the hope of life here and the hope of eternal life with you. So God, as we remember, may you be honored. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.